Brooks, a writer and professor. This is How Art is Born, an MCA Denver podcast about the origins of artists and their creative and artistic practice. Today I'm joined by artist Diego Rodriguez Warner. Say hello. Hello. <laughs> to start us off, uh, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Uh, so I'm primarily a painter. Um, who I am and what I do. That's a big question. Yeah, it is a big question. Um, I, I'm a Latin American artist, so both from Latin America and from the United States. Um, I was born in Nicaragua in 1986. Uh, my dad was a, a Sandinista guerrilla fighter. My mom was an international aid worker. Hmm. Went down there to, to support the Sandinista efforts. Um, and I'm the result. Wow. Uh, we moved to San Francisco when I was like 91. Okay. And then to Denver in like 95 or 96. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I've, I grew up in Denver. I traveled or I went to school out in the East Coast. I traveled a little bit around the world, but. Where'd you go to school on the East Coast? I went to Hampshire College in Massachusetts. Okay. And then I went to the Rhode Island School of Design hmm. in. Rizla? No. RISD. RISD. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> My, I had an uncle in Rhode Island and I went to college in. Great Barrington, Massachusetts. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's the first time I was ever around snow. Yeah. It's a lot of snow. Oh, uh, that wasn't great. And, and no, dude. I, I spent like seven years out on the East Coast and I was like, never again. <laughs> right. I think you were like, Detroit's awesome. Like, I'm like, I don't have to live like this. <laughs> yeah, right? exactly. you can skate. And then I went to Germany. And so by then I was like, totally done with the cold. I was like, no, I'll give me sunshine. <laughs> Where'd you go in Germany? Uh, Berlin. Oh, I went to Berlin yeah. uh, in 2016. Nice. Yeah, Berlin is a, it's a pretty magic city. If I wasn't an artist, I would live there for sure. I've never been so happy and content and just like, yeah, felt like so actualized. Yeah. But uh, especially the years that I was right there, it was mm-hmm. like right when um, Michael Brown got killed mm-hmm. and there was all this kind of like, um, like upsurge of activism and like it really seemed kind of fraught here at home. And at the time, I mean, I was making like really bugged out paintings, hmm. you know, I still make bugged out paintings, yeah. but they're very American paintings. They have to do with like an American context of saturation of information, um, inability to like recognize the truth anymore. Yeah. And Europeans just had no idea. They had no touchstone of like how to enter them. Hmm. So yeah, it, it felt important for me to come back home and help um, in whatever way I could, you know? So yes. It's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Now, so obviously there's going to be themes. No, this is good. There's obviously going to be themes of activism and art that come yeah. up, particularly uh, given your parents and what you've mentioned there. Right. But I want to kind of start with uh, when you were young, how mm-hmm. did you first connect with art? Um, so, I mean, growing up in Denver, like the MCA wasn't here, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I didn't really have... Um, with my parents, I didn't really have a habit of going to art galleries. It yeah. wasn't really something that um, we did. We went to the dam, but the dam at the time was mostly uh, like ceramic artifacts and, you know, mm. uh, antiquities. Mm. Um, so my interest in the, or my, my avenue into art was through comic books and political posters. My oh, comic books, right? Yeah. So my, my parents were, you know, obviously um, internationally minded. And so they collected like Cuban political posters and mm. political posters from, um, Africa and Central America. And so growing up, those were all around the home. And so that kind of like graphic sensibility was always what I, um, I connected with. And then comic books in high school, like I I wrote my senior thesis about like Akira and, you know, and, uh, the dark Knight rises and, you know, trying to wax poetic about why these are art. I mean, that like some, you know, 18 year old is going to legitimize them, but, um, yeah. So I was really, I've always really interested, been interested in drawings and prints and, um, 
you know, when I was a kid, I would like do, it was like the Bush years. So I'd do like crappy anti-war graffiti and, you know, but I've always been drawing. I've always been drawing and, um, well, it just okay. took a while to, for it to like set, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so, uh, I mean, so obviously comics have the really illustrative style mm-hmm. with the thick outlines and stuff like yeah. that. Um, a lot of graffiti imitates that. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did that strongly kind of influence what you're doing at the time or were you drawing from the posters that you mentioned and, you know? Yeah. It, I mean, the, yeah, the, the graphic line is really important to me. Hmm. Um, so yeah, when I was drawing back then, it was all really graphic. It had like a strong outline and then it wasn't until much later that I began to kind of like trace, um, kind of like the lineage uh-huh. of that line you know <laughs> like we have graffiti and graffiti kind of like um riffs off of comic books and riffs yeah. off of like uh 1960s advertisements the pop art movement right. you know and then that kind of like goes backwards to um like matisse was the first like french painter that really used like a really bold outline mm-hmm. and uh, he was influenced by like japanese prints that began to come into europe at the time you know okay. and so kind of like there's this uh you can kind of like trace the trajectory of this style, yeah. you know, um, which is what, yeah, which is what I love about Prince is that they all kind of speak like an international common language, mm-hmm. very like popular. Uh, uh, when I say popular, I mean like of the people language, mm-hmm. you know. You seem like you were immediately using art to make statements about things. Like, was that always important to you? No. And I don't think, it, I still don't think it's important. To huh. me. Like. Because hmm. you, were, you were talking about. Um, the Bush years mm-hmm. and, you know, using art to kind of comment on Yeah, that. but that was like teenage, you know, like I need to get out of the house and, you know, yeah. spray paint some stuff. But not, well, so this is good then. Yeah. What, what, what does art do for you? Like, what are you, are you trying to express something? Are you trying to work through something or is it just. So like when I was in school, I, I didn't know that you could be an artist, you okay. know, like that wasn't, that was never really like conveyed to me in a way that, you know, really set. Yeah, and so when I was in school in at, in Massachusetts, I um, I was studying a lot of like really kind of like dark stuff, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, my you know my upbringing always kind of like um, I ha- always had like a really strong attraction to like history mm-hmm. and uh, politics, and so I was studying. I was basically in like violent studies mm-hmm. when I was in school. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of classes about geopolitics, about economics, about like. Um, structures of power. I was studying like how governments, uh, oppress populations, mm-hmm. um, just because it was the thing that interested me. And, um, and I didn't know that you could be an artist. Yeah. You know? And so I studied that for like three years. And, uh, and then when I was 21, I had the opportunity to go study in Cuba Okay. and due to the political restrictions, I couldn't study any of the things that I like huh. had been studying. I, w- I would have loved to like to have, uh, done research about like the Cuban intervention in Angola. Cause I think that's fascinating and nobody really knows about it. Hmm. Um, but I couldn't study anything political. And so I was like, Oh, well, you know, I've always done art. I've always liked to do art. I'll just study art. It'd be like a semester off, you know? Right. Um, so I went to Cuba and they gave me like a tutor and this, this woman, she was fantastic. Her name was Lesbia Ventumois. I hope she's still alive. I haven't been in contact with her for the last 10 years, but hmm. She was like this, she was like 80 years old. She'd okay. been making art in Cuba wow. in revolutionary Cuba for 50 years. She was one of the most respected artists in the Island. You know? wow. In fact, while I was down there, she was actually elected like minister for fine arts for the entire wow. Island. You know? And then I'm just this 21 year old 
dipshit right. who doesn't know anything about art. And I'm just like following her around. And, like, <laughs> all the doors are like swinging wide open for her. Um, huh. And so Cuba is really where I began to realize that one could be an artist, mm. you know, and that was a direct result of seeing how Cuban artists were treated on the island. Yeah. You know, when you would say that you were an artist to somebody, they would immediately like begin to treat you with respect wow. because it was it. They recognize that artists are like important contributors to society right. and culture. You know, it's definitely a different paradigm than America. Yeah. And, and thank God I've held on to it because if I, you know, decided <laughs> here, I think it would be a lot different. Right. But so that was really where it happened, mm. you know, and I can tell you the exact moment if you want to know that. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, like I said, uh, up until this point, I'd been studying like really dark stuff, I'd, you know, disappearances in Chile, the, you know, the coup, um, in, like in Guatemala in 1952, death squads, you know, like all this really heavy yeah. stuff. And I think it kind of began to make me feel that like humans were inherently bad, hmm. you know, that like all we do is destroy and consume. Right. Um, but I was in Cuba and I was in a bar and uh, there was a jazz band, okay. you know. And I remember sitting at this bar, smoking a cigarette and watching, like being like right here next to the trumpet player, like right next to me Okay. and hearing him play trumpet and like the notes just like soared, hmm. you know, and they lifted my spirit so huh. much. And in that moment, I realized that, yeah, we do do all these inherent things, but through art, through music, that is the possible, like the, the positive contribution that humans can make, hmm. you know, yeah. that we do all these terrible things, but we also make things of such like heartbreaking beauty that it's worthwhile. Right. And so that's what I wanted to be. I was wow. like, oh, okay. Like instead of focusing on the darkness, I will try to be part of the light. Well, first of all. <laughs> Dope origin story. Yeah, right. That's like uh, Bruce Wayne seeing the bat fly like into the window. Yeah, dude. Like, I'll become a bat. <laughs> you just heard a jazz trumpet and you were like, yes. Yeah, I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> this this is it. This is it. This is something that I can commit the rest of my life to. You know? Okay. Yeah. Well, and so uh, we went down this path by me asking you, what does art do for you? So, is, is is it just creating something beautiful? Is that the thing that is central to you? Or like, you know, what is it? For me, the reason why I love art so much, mm -hmm. I remember being in grad school and kind of racking my mind about like what makes a good drawing. Yeah. You know, and like looking at all these drawings, like what about this is what I like? Mm -hmm. You know, what, what, why is this one good and this one bad? Yeah. You know, um, and I think what, is most important to me is that art, you can never answer those questions. Hmm. Like that if you were, if things are going well, art is like opening doors and then you walk through them hmm. and then there's like three more doors, hmm. three more directions that you can go in. Right. Yeah. And I'll walk through this one and there's three more doors. So you can never get to the end. You never really understand it. Hmm. So when I think my art is most effective, um, is when I'm looking at it and it is like um, tickling my brain. It's making me think of all these different possibilities and opportunities yeah. and, um, and avenues. And it is like propelling me forward, propelling me into that, um, that space, yeah. you know? Um, so I, I like art because it is, uh, it's kind of impossible to get to the end of. Huh. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so then let's, uh, practically, man. So, uh, after this Cuba experience, mm -hmm. uh, 
you you switched and now you're pursuing art. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what were the like what were the next steps? Uh well the next steps were to like convince people at my school to like give me a studio. You know? <laughs> so I I'd been doing all this dark stuff for right. like three years and then my senior year I'm like, nope, psych, I'm an artist. <laughs> uh, and so I had to like work twice as hard as everybody to like show that I was serious about it. Right. Um but in terms of like what sort of things I was making, when I was in Cuba, we we couldn't really paint mm. because uh, you can't get canvas, you can't get paintings, no. real paint, you know. So what we were doing, we were making prints. We were making woodblock prints. Okay. And that was because like you could like kick up our cupboards that you'd find and like carve them up and mm. run them through or print them with a spoon and, you know, like wow. make, make images with it. Yeah. Uh, I remember once we bribed like these guys who were refurnishing like a like an old hotel yeah. and they were pulling like the linoleum out of like the elevators, the linoleum that had been there for, you know, 60 years. And we were like, Hey man, can we like get that linoleum, you know? And so we bought this like old ass linoleum from these guys yeah. and we turned that into art. You wow. know? And so when I got back to school, I was just making prints. Okay. I was doing a lot of relief prints. Um, and that was really, uh, I have a strong affinity for just like the black and white, you know, mm. the binaries. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity just within that like framework to, to explore and, you know, find new ways of representing things. Uh, so I was making a lot of prints. I graduate all of a sudden I don't have an access to a press anymore, so I can't make those prints. Mm. So I just, uh, I did ink drawings for two years sticking okay. with the black and white language. Um, but just like some ink on paper and made a living doing that. So you come out of school, you don't have access to the printer anymore. The press, yeah. The press, thank yeah. you. And you're doing the um, the black and white ink. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying you were making a living. So where where, where were you selling them? Like, oh, how, yeah. how was I doing that? Yeah. Um, God, how was I doing that? <laughs> it's weird because, you know, I, I still can't really believe that, you know, 15 years later, I'm still doing it. You right. know, so like, how am I doing it? I don't know. And it's like day by day. Yeah, like who's buying <laughs> You know, like. So what I was doing is I was making ink drawings and I was making ink drawings probably like 11 by 22 inches or something okay. They're like these full figures and I was just like scanning those and printing them off you know at the time it was Kinko's and I was mm. probably FedEx or whatever and I was just printing them off really big and mm. selling those for a hundred bucks and like I know that they weren't archival they weren't anything but the image themselves were strong enough that people would what want you, to have it what were you drawing these bugged out figures yeah yeah I don't I mean that was 10 years ago so I don't even know if I have any images of them but like really crazy kind of bugged out figures so was it based on human beings and then you went you know yeah just, the, but just on them or whatever? yeah exactly just expre- uh, like abstracting them in all these okay. different ways yeah um nice. yeah i wish i could show you but yeah there were these so i was doing that mm. and then i connected with artists here in town who would like liked what i did and would help me put on my own shows i'm a huge proponent I don't know how you'd still do it because Denver's getting so expensive. But at the time we rented like a warehouse for like 900 bucks, you know, we'd throw our own shows okay, and slowly build a following of people who were interested. You know, yeah. um, I was painting uh, murals for the city, uh, which were still bugged out. Hmm. <laughs> um, I don't paint murals anymore because I don't like how murals are used, but hmm. um, man, yeah. you just say like, Strong stuff that I want to get into. So, <laughs> Go for it. so what? What is? Uh, I mean, what? What don't you like about how murals are used? So even mm-hmm. back then, you would like partner with like um, the East Colf or the West Colfax Better Business Bureau, mm-hmm. and they would want a mural, you know. Okay. And I would show up with like all these drawings, and they were all black and white, and really like forceful, and like all these kind of tortured figures, and you mm-hmm. know, um, and they'd be like, "Okay, well, what we want 
is we want something that's minimalist hmm. and about environmental sustainability and very colorful. Hmm. And you're like looking at all this black and white, <laughs> Why <does it> <laughs> abstract, right. yeah, they want abstract, minimalist, environmental sustainability and colorful. And I'm just like looking at this stuff. I'm like, yeah, I can do that. <laughs> right. I just go and paint whatever I wanted, you know, because once it's up, they can, uh-huh. you're going to do. Um, but okay. So you, you connect with these better business bureaus. Mm-hmm. They put on up a mural that doesn't have anything to do with the community. Right. Or if it does have something to do with the community, it's kind of like the, the most reductionist form of the community, mm. you know? And I just feel that a bunch of these murals, it's just like wallpaper. Mm. And I don't think that art should be something that you just walk by. I think that art should be something that, especially art in public, yeah. forgive my French, but it should be like, what the fuck is that? Mm. And why is that there? Yeah. You know, something that like interrupts the daily instead of just kind of... Yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's something kind of sick about them that you have these murals and then like these murals cost tens of thousands of dollars and you have right. homeless people sleeping next to them. Like there's a, there's right. kind of a weird disconnect there. Right. Um, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, no, you made your point really strongly about yeah. that. So then the idea about um, art having this sort of what the fuck effect on people, right? Right. Is it um, that you want people to be... Do you want people to, like with your art in particular, do you want people to think about something in particular or is it just, hey, just stop and just pay attention for a minute? So in my paintings, um, they are very beautiful. Sorry, I mean, that's that's a weird thing to say, but they are. They Mm. are very beautiful and they kind of serve as a net. Okay. You know? And so there's really beautiful colors like candy candy aisle colors, really like kind of luscious reds and greens, pinks and stuff. Um, and they immediately attract your attention, mm-hmm. but like, um, you know, those carnivorous flowers, you know, the carnivorous, the flowers that like eat flies and stuff, yeah. like they're always really rich and like the colors are very attractive. Right. right. Yeah. And the fly gets stuck inside of it. Uh-huh. And that's the same thing that I want to happen with my paintings that you are immediately attracted to color, mm-hmm. right? You're immediately, immediately attracted to beauty. Yeah. But then once you are involved in the painting, mm-hmm. you begin to realize that the painting isn't quite so friendly mm. and that the painting has some fucked up things in it. Yeah. Um, and then you, the viewer is forced into a place where there's a, like a moment of a rejection, right? Mm-hmm. But they're already involved in the painting mm-hmm. and there's a complicity that comes there, right? Mm. That like, oh, why am I liking this thing? Right. You know? And once, and then, you know, like the, there's like the formal effects of the paintings. The paintings are really bugged out. There's like three dimensional stuff that's happening. And so the question is like, what is it that I'm actually looking at? How is it made? Um, where does it come from? All these questions, mm-hmm. if they get stuck in that sort of space, I'm super stoked on it yeah. and they can take those questions wherever they want, you know? Nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so then uh, in terms of when your ideas come to you, mm-hmm. uh, how do you choose like which ones you go forward with, which ones you reject? Like, do you, is there a process or is it kind of random? Um, it's, I think it, it changes, you know, sometimes you have a painting in your mind that, or just like a title, yeah. you know, and that title will just like stick with you for years. And then you're like, I should probably make that painting cause it's not going anywhere, you know? Mm. And then trying to figure out what that title means and how it represents itself, you know? Um, but other times it's just about play. Mm. You get into the studio, you start playing with the materials, you start finding the image that you want. And in terms of like kind of distinguishing um, what to make and what not, um, I think I, when I have the opportunity to talk to students, I always tell them not to shoot down their own ideas, mm-hmm. you know, because you can sit forever waiting for 
the one brilliant idea. Right. You know? Um, but it's better to have something that you've made to look at mm-hmm. in, in my, it, like for me, like I would rather be working on something and I can look at it and I can look at it objectively and say, Oh, this one isn't it. But at least I've made it, right. you know, rather than like waiting for like the one perfect idea that like, you know, mm-hmm. it's going to like break everyone's brains. It's like, no, th- like that you've made it when you're making, you are thinking in a different way. Yeah. And uh, when you are making is when you begin to like really uh, start snapping about possibilities. And, and for me, that is the most generative process. What like, I don't sit around waiting for an idea. I like you, you just start working and mm. the work generates ideas. Did you always have that or did you have to find your way to that? Uh, no, I've always kind of had that. Nice. Like I've always... I love art, man. I yeah. love to make art. I love thinking about art. I love looking at art. And so I've always like that when I get the chance, when I have like the time to make art, I'm super stoked to do it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So we were going chronologically. Yeah. You were doing that. No, this is good. <laughs> this is really good. But I just want to get us back to like, yeah. doing that. so you're doing the black and white uh, ink drawings, you're selling them. Right. And then what was coming next? So with those ink drawings, I got into grad school. Okay. And I got to grad school and I was in a printmaking department. Um, um, where'd you go? Uh, Rhode Island School of Design. Oh, you said that. Okay, yeah. yeah. And immediately realized that I wasn't a printmaker. Okay. <laughs> so like, uh-huh. and because printmakers are very, like, uh, kind of persnickety. They like to, like, all their edges are perfect and all the lines line up. And it's mm. like, and especially where I was at the time, I just, like, yeah, that was kind of a mess. I was 24 years old at one of the best schools in the world and just, like, not knowing what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. I never had taken an art history class. And all mm. of a sudden, I'm like studying with people who went to Yale and UCLA and Chicago and like all these places. And so I really felt like I had to work twice as hard just to like catch up, Mm. you know? Um, And so I got there making all this black and white stuff, but I kind of felt felt that, uh, okay, well I got it. So now I don't have to do that. Right. Right. I already know how to do that. So I can do something else. Yeah. And so I just started making really colorful paintings Mm. and just playing trying to figure out what kind of paintings I liked, what kind of things I wanted to make. Um, what media were you working with when you wanted to color? Dude, like I said, I was, it was everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's still kind of everything. Huh. Uh, acrylic paints and latex paints and spray paints and watercolors and crayons. And it was just like everything. Wow. Uh, just, it's like, Oh dude, I get to, I get to study art. Like this is the coolest <laughs> thing ever. I'll just, I'll just do it all. You know? Right. Um, and like a, they weren't all good, man. There's a lot of really bad things I made in grad school, but that's what it's for, you know, right. just to fail and to figure things out. Um, so yeah, I did that for my first year. I just made like literally hundreds of paintings, mm. you know? And, uh, by that summer I was just so burnt out. I like didn't want to paint anymore, but I started to make a living. So I was like taking commissions, like for t-shirts or album covers or whatever. Yeah. You know? Um, and instead of painting those commissions, I was cutting apart my old paintings and I was collaging them for whatever reason. I don't like to use glue. It's just like, it never looks right. And so instead of gluing my collages down, I was just laying them on top of each other and photographing it. And that's how I'd create the image. And that kind of like led to the paintings I'm making now, which is, I still make like these three dimensional collages. Mm -hmm. Um, and I photograph them and that becomes the paintings. Mm. So it just came like, it looks like a straight line when you look back at it, but it doesn't at the time. I was just like, Oh, I'm right. just too tired. I'm just going to do this. And stuff. <laughs> well, it's interesting because if you, 
didn't use glue and you put them together and took a photo, that means that they only existed in that moment, right? Right. Because you could take it apart and reassemble it into something else. Exactly. So is, are you still kind of doing that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so you, in, oh, in my studio, I have a whole wall that's all just like these fragments that I've used in all these different paintings. Huh. And they get reintegrated into every new painting. So do you take the photo and then paint over that photo or is it just no i take that photo and i project it out okay and then make these big paintings oh yeah huh yeah such an interesting process it's yeah it's crazy and you say you still pretty much use like whatever uh media yeah i still incorporate all those media yeah yeah huh and wood carving too oh yeah yeah because that's the like the printmaking part you know well it's funny when you were talking about um teachers well kind of like America not respecting comics mm-hmm. back in those days. Yeah. Uh, I had teachers who openly mocked me for writing and drawing comics. Yeah, right? for sure. But uh, my eighth grade art teacher was cool. One of my few cool teachers ever. And uh, she said she was teaching uh, Renaissance art. Mm-hmm. She was like, Alan, if you're a Renaissance artist, you'll be Albrecht Durer. Yeah. And she started showing me all his wood prints. And stuff oh, yeah. Like that. Yeah. And Dude, that print that he made of a rhinoceros. Have you oh, seen that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where he had never seen a rhinoceros, but he like drew it. Dude, Albrecht Durer is the man. Yeah. He's, he's crazy. Yeah. And so, yeah, because of the interest in comic books, that's printmaking, dude. Like that's, you start looking like Aubrey Beardsley, like mm. old illustrations, yeah. like Art Nouveau. Like, dude, I, I love all that stuff, man. Mm. I love all that stuff. Right on. Yeah. Okay. So then uh, right now, uh, as an artist, mm-hmm. um, what I'm getting is you want people to react and then whatever their thoughts that they have after that, you know. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, where is your practice showing up the most? Are you like, you, do you prefer galleries? Do you want, do you, you know, like... How do you want people to interact with you? <laughs> uh, I like museums. Yeah? Yeah. I would like to have more museums. Hmm. No, I mean, I still make smaller things and have sales that like, and af- like affordable things, yeah. you know, at the, right now my paintings are kind of getting expensive, but I try to, to still make things that people can actually buy, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. especially working in Denver. Denver isn't like a huge city. You know, people don't right. really have the same sort of appreciation or like, budget that people in other cities have, you mm-hmm. know? And so I'll still make things for like a thousand bucks, you know? And it's awesome whenever I get to go to a friend's house or like um, one of my brother's friends' house, you know? Yeah. And I walk into their house and they have a peace of mind. It's awesome. Right. You know, uh, I don't think like the, the purity and the conceptual purity of a, a gallery or museum, sorry, I was doing air quotes, <laughs> uh, of a gallery or museum is so necessary for art. I think that art is something that people should live with. Right. You know? Um, and be affected by, mm. you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's crazy. I, I saw one of my buddies a couple of days ago and he like showed up super excited and he had like a piece of mine tattooed on him, you oh, know, wow. and it's a piece that he bought, you know, 15 years ago, wow. um, that has been a part of his life and that has affected him to the point where he would like it, like immortalized on his skin, which is crazy. You know? Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Um, how does it make you feel? It makes me feel great. Hmm. You know, like that. I mean, when you're in the studio and you're working by yourself, mm-hmm. you're just talking to yourself like, is this good? Is this, is this what I should be doing? Right. Like, is this a way, like a waste of time or are people going to like this or, or, and it's, it's not until like you get open the exhibition or, or, you know, show the artwork that you get to like realize, oh, did it hit? Are people going to get this? You know? Right. And so whenever people have 
my work and whoever people like come up to me and talk to me about my work and then it like resonates with them and yeah. it makes them think about like relationships they've had in the past or, or, you know, moments of history or, or whatever. Um, it, it's like, that's, that's the, it's, it's so gratifying. Hmm. It's, yeah. There's really no words for it. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you were talking about the, uh, the importance of our being accessible for the people mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But you also said that you like, your stuff in museums. Mm-hmm. What 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 do you like about that? I like space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I make really big paintings, mm-hmm. you know, and I I really love to make those big paintings because to me they're the most like comprehensive challenge. You know, they're like one of the things I really love about making the paintings I do is they require like a lot of forethought, a lot mm-hmm. of like um, critical thinking, like problem solving skills, like huh. what goes in front of what, how, like what. Like in terms of layering, how am I going to make this thing, right. you know? And then they, they're extraordinarily challenging to actually make, hmm. you know? Um, and they fill me with the greatest sense of accomplishment. Huh. It's like this really complicated puzzle that you're trying to solve. Right. And then you do it and it's like, oh, like it feels, there's nothing like that feeling. But they're huge. They're like 16 feet wide. Right. You know, they're not going in anybody's house <laughs> or whether they're not going in anybody's house that I know. You right. Know? Um and they're usually not really going into galleries because galleries don't have that much space either. Right. So I like museums because there's enough space to actually like look at the paintings. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. So um, we're talking about uh, the insecurities that you feel mm-hmm. like uh, in, in the studio. Yeah. So uh, first of all, can you think of a time when uh, you had an idea, something, a project you're working mm-hmm. on that did not work out? And then the second part of that question is, how did you deal with that? Um, nothing comes to mind of something that didn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. I generally see things through. I mean, there are ideas that I've had where I haven't made them yet. Mm. Was there anything that felt like a setback then? Dude, I've been extremely fortunate. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess like... There are setbacks. I mean, sometimes like, yeah, when I came back from Germany mm-hmm. and moved back to Denver and I was extraordinarily poor, mm-hmm. you know, and I remember people were like making fun of me for like eating out of 7-Eleven, but it was like at the time, it's like, well, I can either eat these like garbage hot dogs and afford paint. Right. Or I can do like something else, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I made the decision like, oh, no, if I'm going to be an artist, I need to like be able to paint, you know? Um, and so, but it didn't feel like a setback at the time. It just felt like, okay, this is what I have to do. Mm. Um, I've missed a lot of birthday parties and get togethers and like, just because I'm in the studio and I'm trying to do something. Um, but it doesn't, I guess for me, I've always, I've always really believed in what I was doing. I always believed that somehow it would work out. Mm. I believe that my paintings were good, even when they weren't, Mm. you know? Um, I believe that they were, that it was something worth committing my life to. Yeah. And that kind of belief, uh, kind of sheltered me and protected me from like all these naysayers that you're never going to make a living off of this. Nobody's an artist, you know? Um, and I always kind of like armored myself up with like that belief that not only was this something valid, but it was something that was going to happen. Mm. It was only a matter of time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's something beautiful about, I mean, I guess it all ends up being a matter of perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, if you have sort of that singular vision, like this is what I'm here to do, mm-hmm. then what to someone else would feel like a setback yeah. uh, 
doesn't really feel, it's just like, oh, I'm just going to continue that, that thing that work. I'm just going to keep moving. You yeah. Know? I mean, and that, that kind of, it takes some pressure off because, you know, like, like I just work, you know, and every once in a while, maybe once a year, I'll make something that I think is good, hmm. you know? Um, and that's what I'm working for. Huh. But I don't know when that's going to happen. It could be a really dumb idea that becomes that thing that is really important, huh. you know? Um, so yeah, it, it takes some pressure off because it's like, okay, if this painting doesn't work or if this painting isn't as good as the others, or if mm-hmm. this painting doesn't like inspire me, like all the others do, yeah. that's fine. Cause that's this one painting I'm going to make, right. I'm going to make another one and I'm going to make another one after that. And yeah. this is, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. So it's like, um, or as long as I'm able, you know, already right. my knees are beginning to hurt. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I tell a lot of people this thing about, um, the way that I deal with, I guess, rejection, because mm-hmm. uh, it doesn't even sound, I feel like rejection to me. Yeah. It's because I'm doing a whole bunch of things. So if I'm working on, say, like six projects yeah. and they're all moving forward yeah. and then one of them has a stumble, like yeah. I send something to an editor and they have like something bad to say. Right. So? Right. Because I'm still making stuff. Yeah. And I, and like I get rejected for like residencies or like awards and stuff too. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just like, all right, well, like that's not my fault. You know? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So I don't know. Okay. Well, so, you, but you were talking about uh, the fears that come up. So for me, mm. I don't feel any uh, fear until I'm done. Mm. And then when it's time to like present it to the world, I have like that little insecurity and but it happens. I know it's yeah. there. I still do it. Right. You know? Um, so for me, it's just like, I just acknowledge it and move on. Yeah. Um, how it, how is it for you? Like, I think for me, in terms of fear, like fear in what I'm making or fear of like, what, which fear? Because there are, there are many different fears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um, the fear of, well, first of all, I'm open to whichever one you want to talk about. Okay. But I think um, just the fear that comes up in our artistic practice, because is there any fear that w- would potentially stop you from going forward or sharing or finishing? I mean, I think that the, and it's something that I like try to confront in the studio, but I want the, I want the paintings to have like a really like almost insane vibrational energy, Hmm. you know? And there's a fear that I'm acquiescing Hmm. to like the tastes of others, Hmm. like that I would like to make paintings that are so beautiful that they're terrifying. Hmm. And I don't think I'm there yet, you know? Yeah. But I guess the fear for me, especially now that I'm beginning to make money off of it, I don't want to just make things to make money. Right. I don't want to make things just for that other people like, mm-hmm. or that like, if everybody likes it, then I think that maybe I have dumbed it down too far. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would like there to be for some people to be like, no, <laughs> that's, that's not what I need to look at. I'm like, yeah, I think it is what you need to look at. That's the thing that you need to look at. Um, yeah. And in terms of uh, what was the second part of the fear of, uh, well, I don't know. I don't listen to myself. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm talking about like things that stop an artist, right? So, right. Oh no, you were talking about uh, the fear, like before, like at the end of the project. Yes. Um, at that point, I'm just eager. Hmm. Like, I think all the fear, like, is kind of like, and I'm when I'm making it, is this good enough? That sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. But when I actually, it's time to actually have the exhibition. I've been doing this since I was a kid. Yeah. I like sit in my car and I put the, I put like the, the seat all the way back. Right. Okay. And I have a Red Bull because I know that I'm going to be talking to a lot of folks. And I listen to, uh, have you ever seen the movie Koyaneskatsi? Mm-hmm. 
it's uh it's this crazy movie it's like this visual collage um okay. but there's the soundtrack to Kunai Scotsi is amazing mm-hmm. and I've loved it since I was a kid I think the first time I saw that movie when I was like 15 and so I listen I just listen to the whole soundtrack in my car okay for like 40 minutes before I actually go into the exhibition I get there early and I'm just sitting there yeah and do that in music just like pumps me up so hard that by the time I'm ready like to leave the car I'm like like, let's do this like I am the artist you know <laughs> nice yeah it's you know you gotta you gotta pump yourself up because it's scary man it's scary right out there I wanna make sure that we get in the name of that movie for people who are listening can you say it again <laughs> Koyana Skatsi Koyana Skatsi yeah okay right on yeah I, uh, well so then uh, is it is is always that soundtrack or is it yeah is, it's yeah. always that soundtrack huh. yeah I always I mean, I listen to Philip Glass all the time in the studio. So, yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. It's it's interesting finding the things that that motivate you mm-hmm. and give you that like that push. Yeah. When I'm writing, mm-hmm. uh, I listen to drum and bass. Yeah. And I never listen to drum and bass, <laughs> like like in in my life. You yeah. Know? Like, but the reason that I listen to it when I'm writing is because it occupies the part of my mind that would get distracted. Right. Without being too distracted for me to write. Right. Yeah. So I can get, like, I can zone out. I can write for like, I can sit for 10 hours. Dude, I listen to so much techno in the studio for the, for the exact same reason. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Cause it moves me. It like has the, like the emotive like qualities of like classical music, right? But there's no lyrics. There's yeah. just there's just like oh, I can just be I can just get swept away by this. Yeah. And there's like you said, there's ten, twelve, fifteen hour mixes. There's right. Like, put it on, and it's, that's what I'm doing today. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Drum yeah, and bass is a little intense for me. I need a little bit of melody, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to always go to sleep to like hip hop. So yeah. Like, you know. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think yeah, just people um, paying attention to like identifying what. Mm what motivates you, what, what hypes you up yeah. and then using it. Yeah, you know? for sure. And yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause I feel like people, uh, a lot of times are not deliberate about their artistic practice. Mm-hmm. So they're like w- waiting on the muse, you know, oh, like, wait yeah, until I mean, it hits them. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think caffeine is a huge one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It does it for you. Yeah. I think it's pretty critical. <laughs> critical. But yeah, you want like the, the best feeling is when you get in the studio and you just feel like, every possibility is on the table, hmm. you know? Yeah. And every idea is a good idea, you, you know? Like, right. And that's, it's rare. It happens, you know, like 30% of the time, but you get in the studio and you're just like, so jazzed to be in there. Sorry, right. that's got picked up. <laughs> so jazzed to be in there. And you're just like, dude, I can make whatever I want. Like nobody's telling me what to do. I can just do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Um, it's yeah, it's pretty, pretty powerful. It's pretty mm-hmm. profound. All right. So, um, you're talking about where you are presently, like what you're doing with stuff. Like, mm-hmm. um, how are you hoping to to grow your like present artistic practice? I don't know, man. I'm trying to figure that out, honestly. Yeah, um, yeah I've shown here the MCA. Yeah, uh, I've shown it at a few other museums here in town. I have an exhibition every couple of years in Denver. But at a certain point, it feels like you're just kind of spinning your wheels, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, I need to figure out how to to break that cycle. Uh, and continue, you know, to get pushed. Right. Um, I love Denver. I grew up here and I came back here to help contribute, but I feel like I kind of have. Hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm actually currently trying to figure out what that next step is. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's such a process. Like always. <laughs> always right. do. Always. All right. So uh, you meet a young version of yourself. Hmm. What kind of advice do you give? Uh don't get hung up on the girls, man. <laughs> Just it keep working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I, I feel like when I was younger, I spent I spent years heartbroken, mm-hmm. you know, and it it led to some some good art. And I probably wouldn't be the artist I am today yeah. if I hadn't passed through those experiences. But yeah, the the art will see you through, man. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a real thing. You know, like I I, I know, I've known people who believe that they can only create mm-hmm. when they're hurt. Yeah, and uh, that is a place to create from. But to be like perpetually trying to create from that place. I don't think it's a good way to live. No, no, certainly. I mean, it, I, I totally understand it because I've been there, um, but it's it's not the healthiest way. I, I met someone and they were talking about like how that they were saying, I don't know if I believe this, but mm-hmm. this is what they said. They said that uh, all art comes from anger, mm-hmm. but the best art comes from anger at the art. Mm-hmm. So like the anger that the art isn't the thing that it's supposed to be yet, you know? And that's what drives you. Cause I feel like there's like a, there's like a, an infinite wellspring of anger at the state of the world, mm-hmm. you know, but like wailing at the moon, isn't going to do it, you right. know? So I think it's important to kind of like focus the anger into something that's beautiful and productive, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking through uh, some of the things we talked at, at the beginning because mm-hmm. it, it, it felt like, activism and art mm. go together in your mind. But as we've talked about, it, it seems less so. Am I misreading that? No, I don't, I don't think you are. I think I am a tremendously political person mm-hmm. and I have very, very um, deeply heartfelt political beliefs about the state of the world. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm anti-war. I'm anti-interventionalism. I'm anti-colonialism, anti-imperialism. Mm-hmm. Um, I I believe that everybody in the world gets to should should be allowed to live in human dignity mm-hmm. and not feel less than. Um, I think that love that that belief in human dignity comes through the work. Mm-hmm. That the work has a certain pathos that's about the people who are struggling or the yeah. people who are suffering. Um, but in terms of activism, I don't think. For me, it's difficult because um, I don't have it. Like I'm not, I'm biracial. So there's like obviously like a conflict there that mm-hmm. like not sure which one I, I am or which, and that changes and mm-hmm. within the moments, you know, mm-hmm. but it's in terms of activism, I think that's the important thing is about like trying to contain how complicated it all is. Like it's really popular right now. Like something happens and you go on Instagram and the next week there's like 20 paintings about it. You <laughs> right, know? right. And for me, those paintings only exist about those moments mm. where I'm trying to make artwork that a hundred years from now, people will look at it and be like, oh, dang, that still resonates. Right. You know, that there, it's not topical in that, in that way that I think that activism of, often is. It's, it's about something timeless mm-hmm. that me as a painter isn't so different from somebody a hundred years ago who's a painter, 200 years ago who's a painter. That yeah. There's this, this kind of timeless quality of trying to capture and express something. Mm that I like. Uh, yeah, there's this, uh, uh, Gabriel Garcia Lorca, who I think he wrote a book called In Search of Duende. Mm. And it's a, it was years ago that I read this, but mm. he describes Duende. He was specifically talking about like flamenco dancing versus like this type of singing that was much more a guttural and like raw that was happening in Spain at the time. Okay. But he was talking about Duende in terms of like that Duende is a, like a spirit, that like screams across the centuries. Mm. It's something that's like guttural and 
human, but a human at its very core mm. that I really, I really love. Mm. I love, yeah, that like the universal human experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of like activism, I am a Latin American artist. I'm proud to be a Latin American yeah. artist, but Latin American, you know, it's mm. like people aren't sure which uh, category to put me in, you know? And it's like, dude, I'm, I'm both. Dude. Right. Well, you know, I, I asked that question because, uh, because I've talked with people who fully believe mm. that all of their art should be like motivating people to do something better. Mm. But then there are other people who believe that their art should be an escape, like, um, that allows people to disengage from some of the things that are oppressing them or hurting them and stuff like that. And then there are people just in different you know, they fall in different places yeah. between that. Yeah, no. It's cool to hear your perspective. Yeah, no, I mean, I just bring that stuff up because people, when they find out that I, my last name ends in a Z, you know, mm. they're like, oh, was this art about like the Aztecs or something? I'm like, dude, <laughs> I ain't Aztec. I grew up in Denver. You know, right, like, right. I grew up like watching anime and like Ghost in the Shell. And, like, yeah. you know, it's, I think it's a little bit more complicated than those kind of reductionist ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of like whether my art is escape, I wouldn't want to escape into my paintings. My paintings are kind of complicated, you know. Uh, yeah. But it's there. I think that the the important thing is, yeah, that there's there's something going on in these paintings that yeah. is, is beyond comprehension. Mm-hmm. And I like that people have to get into that space of trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. There's something really beautiful, uh, like you were talking about. Just uh, I'm rephrasing it, but just. Mm-hmm capturing parts of the human condition mm. or things that are timeless you yeah know? like uh no i just i just want to note that i like that yeah i'm glad i'm glad i asked that question well, i'm glad you answered that well have you have you ever been to, to paris no okay so if you go to the louvre you know the mona lisa's there and there's yeah. like a crowd of 50 people and they're all trying to take in front of the mona lisa mona lisa is like this big i'm like doing you know it's like an eight and a half by 11 or something yeah i keep you know? I hate people i've heard people say yeah, that. It's, yeah it's small and it's beautiful like leonardo da vinci he's a great painter yeah you know but like right across the Mona Lisa facing it is this painting called Raft of the Medusa. Mm. And it is this painting of a shipwreck and mm. there's like dead bodies on the shipwreck. And these people are like waving at a, a ship that you can see on the horizon. And this painting, it's massive and it is so powerful and so beautiful. And it like kind of encapsulates like the, the, the struggle for life mm-hmm. and the struggle for, to keep going, hmm. you know, and nobody's looking at it because the Mona Lisa's over there, you know. Right. But it's this painting um, that I think has to, it, it reminds me of like comic book art. Hmm. It, it is like there's this timeless thing, a timeless like pathos that that I really love that that is ineffable and it's hard to put your finger on it. But when I get there, it's like that's the moment of discovery that I'm huh. I'm going that I'm working for. You know? Oh, right on, yeah. man. Uh, uh, if people want to follow your stuff online or wherever, where where you where would they go? Uh, I'm on Instagram. Uh, at Boom Bang Rang. Okay. Yeah. Uh, do you want to spell it out for people to? Uh, at what's that symbol called? Yeah, it's at. Is it? Yeah. I think there's actually a name for it though. <laughs> All right, never mind. It's a B O O M B A N G A R A N G. Boom Bang Rang. It's mostly pictures of my dog though. <laughs> <laughs> That's the kind of. Person. <laughs> hey, thank you for taking a minute. To yeah, of course, man. Yeah, this was super fun. Right on. Yeah. Thank you to today's guest, Diego Rodriguez Warner. Visit mcadenver.org forward slash podcast to learn more about his work. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe for more and leave a review. It really helps us out. Check out MCA Denver on YouTube and subscribe there too for behind the scenes clips that don't make it in the episode. 
How Art is Born is hosted by me, R. Allen Brooks. Cheyenne Michaels is our producer and editor. Courtney Law is our executive producer. How Art is Born is a project of the Museum of Contemporary Art Denver.